Thank you, choir. Thank you, Brother Dave. If you have your Bibles, if you'll find your place in Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter number 16 on this July uh, Sunday morning. May the Lord bless you. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here with us as we continue to consider and think about the everyday stories of Jesus, what the choir and what Brother Dave have just shared with us uh, in song helps us to understand a bit better what we'll be talking about today. Luke chapter 16 is where we'll be. And again, if you're a guest, may the Lord bless you. If you need anything from us, if we can help you in any way, please let us know. Uh, we're honored to have you fill out that card and let us know you're here. Call us, whatever would be the best for you and make you most comfortable. We're honored to have you with us this summer Sunday morning. Luke chapter 16, we've been looking for the last few weeks at Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, you have three stories of the Lord Jesus, everyday stories, teaching us about the joy of finding lost sinners. When someone who is saved, we call it, the Lord called someone who is lost in their sin, when, they're, when they come to know Jesus Christ as a saved person, we rejoice. Heaven rejoices when sinners repent of their sins and are saved, heaven rejoices. You have that multiple times mentioned by the Lord in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, verse number 10. And then what does the father say to the older son about why they were having a celebration for the returning son? Uh, chapter 15, verse 32, we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has now been found. And then there is somewhat of a sudden change because we come then to chapter 16. And we, we're now looking at an everyday story without any background. There's not really anything except verse 1 says now. So now the Lord begins to talk about something to the disciples. He now shares an everyday story with Christians, with disciples. So I share it with all of the believers who are here today. Uh, as well known as the prodigal son is, this, this particular uh, story is not so well known. It seems a little bit curious, mysterious, somewhat of a riddle. We don't quite know what to do with it, but it is very important, I promise you, for our understanding today. You see, the Lord helps us to understand that all the things in our life matter as a Christian. Everything about us matters. The way we are made, the way we are given talents and abilities, and then spiritual gifts as believers. And then also all the things we possess. The Lord has a lot to say to us about how to use our money and our wealth as a believer. So I'm reminding you today that the story we're about to look at is for every disciple in this room. No one gets an, uh, an exemption. You can't say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm a poor Christian, so this doesn't apply to me. No, every one of us has some measure of money and wealth. This matters to us all. You may be young and may not have much now, but God may bless you and you have more later. This has to do with our money and our wealth. So let's read the story together, then we'll move into it because there are some very important things for us to learn. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse one. Now he, that is the Lord Jesus, was also saying... 
to the disciples. This is for disciples here today. There was a rich man who had a manager. And this manager was, was reported to the rich man as squandering his possessions. After he called him, that is when the rich man called him, he called the manager and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. Verse 4 is very important. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned, because he's the manager, he summoned each one of the master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, now the Lord Jesus speaks to the disciples and to all of us, disciples. And I say to you, disciples, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little, uh, in a little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of righteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money were listening to these things and were scoffing at Jesus. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word, these precious words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our minds. Give us a, a lack of distraction in our minds and around us. May in this place now the Holy Spirit of God do His work in our lives as we consider this most important matter of how we deal with our money and our wealth as believers in Jesus Christ. 
Grant us to understand these truths. We pray today for the least of these among us. We think about uh, orphans and foster children. They leave with nothing but the clothes on their back and a bag to carry out of their house. They have nothing. And how you take care of them, and we thank you for that. You are father to the fatherless. We pray that we'll do our part to help those who are orphans and widows and others in great need. Open the hearts of your people in this church. May we not only share the gospel, but may, may we give of our money and our wealth to the causes and purposes of the gospel so that we might accomplish the work you have for us to do. This is your way for us. This is God's people's way from the beginning. Help us to learn from this today and submit to it, though it might be hard for us to hear. In this world of materialism and money hoarding and thievery and stealing and lying about money and wealth and covetousness, grant that we might understand your truth as we come to the table of the Lord and confess our sin as we fellowship with you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the focal truth today for me is this. It sounds rather unusual. Believers make friends in heaven when they faithfully give to the Lord. Believers make friends in heaven when they faithfully give to the Lord. How does the Lord say it again? Let's look at this key verse. I tell you, verse 9, make friends for yourselves... Make friends for yourselves by means of money. He's using the phrase wealth of unrighteousness. So that when it fails, because it will fail, money will fail you. Money will end up, money will fail you. It's not God. Money will fail you. When it fails, you'll receive, you'll, you'll, uh, they will welcome you. The word receive is the same word as the the uh, steward uses in verse number four, people will welcome me into their homes. It's the same word. They will welcome you into the eternal dwellings. Look, you may not believe it, but the word of God teaches us over and over that what you do on the earth has an impact on heaven. What you do on the earth, the way you live on the earth has an impact on heaven. We, we saw it as the Lord laid it out for us week after week. As you share the gospel, nobody knows you're doing it. You're just doing it as you move along the way. And by the way, there are on your chairs a track. Make sure that you pick up some of these. We empty the, ta in, empty the chairs. Take these with you. They're doing no good sitting in the church house. Put some of these in your pocket. They're a track. It's the Roman road to salvation. Take it with you. Give it to somebody this week. Oh, your simple act of sharing this with someone this week, they may turn it over and be just at the point in their misery and sin and say, I must be saved. No one knows it happened, but what did the choir and Brother Dave just sing? Thank you for giving to the Lord. What you do on the earth has an impact on heaven. God sees our actions on the earth, my dear church friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. He sees our heart. He sees our desires. And what we do here is honored in heaven. We don't do it so that we're honored in heaven, but you will be honored in heaven as you seek in the name of Jesus to minister to others. That not only includes your good works and doing things and being sacrificial and 
but it also means what you do with your money. Now, the Lord gets real personal. He tells this story. Again, a lesson on parables. People get all lost in the weeds in the parables. The parables, oh, it's, it's this and this. And this thing means this and this thing. And you'll read people who write about these and uh, they pick out this, that, and the other. Generally, each of these stories has one point. And the Lord here to the disciples says the point. Again, I read it to you. Make friends with your, make friends with your money in heaven. So that you will be welcomed and thanked for what you do for the Lord in your faithful giving of your money. He tells this story which is outrageous, but yet it's very real in the world today. He tells the story to the disciples of this manager and how he used his money. Because we also manage the things God has given to us. And that includes your money, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. Whether you have lands and houses and other properties and things and investments, whatever it may be, all that you have, you manage and God has given it to you. It is the story of a sinful, dishonest manager who uses another's riches, are you listening, for himself. How do you use your money? How do you use it? What do you spend your money on? Oh, Pastor Mike, I don't have very much. Okay, well, what you have, what do you spend your money on? And do you serve your money like a God? Are you, do you bow to it? Do you make sure, oh, if I have enough money, then everything will be all right. Rather than saying, if I know Jesus, and I'm not being trite, I'm being very serious. If I know the Lord Jesus, the one who is the provider of all things, the God of goodness and grace, I'll be all right. Do you say, oh, I'm okay if I have enough money? Or do you say, I'm okay because I know the Lord Jesus? Oh, the deep, deep stain of covetousness. And we're trained in it in our world. A world of materialism. Rich Christians in America. The poorest of us are richer than two-thirds of the world. Rich Christians. Do you ever think about the fact that God has blessed you with what you have? You laugh and you look back on what you had. You hardly had anything. I grew up, my dad, you know, says, poor as Job's turkey. Have you ever heard that phrase? Poor, poor as Job's turkey. What? And now look what you have. And who do you think blessed you with it? Well, I went and worked hard, yes, and he gave you life so you could do it. He gave you a brain. He gave you abilities and gifts. You're not going to get out of this. What you have has been given to you by God. And God expects for what he gives you, if it's great or if it's little, to be taken care of properly. So we have three observations from the story. I'll be quick. We're coming to the table of the Lord today also. But this story deserves our attention in this world of materialism, covetousness, and self-love. You can tell who you love the most by what you do with your money. The world, number one, practices dishonest shrewdness, just like this manager, with their wealth for selfish purposes. This is the worldly way. 
This is what you grew up hearing. This is what we've been taught. This is how we've been trained. The Lord Jesus never teaches us about money management from a Christian point of view to be slothful or wasteful or not to maximize our investments and do what we can. It's not your responsibility. It's a fact of duty to do with our money what we're supposed to do. He's talking to the disciples and I'm talking to this church. I'm talking to you about how you give to gospel causes. So in the story, we first of all see this, the practices of the world. The Lord highlights them for us. Secondly, we'll focus for just a moment on the fact that believers must faithfully give their wealth for eternal purposes. You see, the world's thing is you make your money for yourself. You don't even share it with your kids, your grandkids. You just, you just hoard up as much as you can for yourself so you can pat yourself on the back and talk about how, what you've done. You use it on yourself, not on others, but the believer. Oh, this is the change. This is what happens when you get saved. It was all through the early church when those who had, when they were together as believers, they put what they had together. They collected and gave to one another lands, monies, wealth, so that they could minister to one another. It's been from the beginning that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has expressed their love for God and their grace and care for others through the giving of money. Believers are to give to eternal purposes. That's what the Lord's saying here. Use your earthly money, as long as you have it, for heavenly purposes. So that when you go to heaven, you're welcomed into heaven by the Lord and by those, just like our song was sung today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. And then finally, believers serve God, not their wealth. This is a very important principle for us to learn. You young people who are here, you say, well, I don't have any money. But you see, if you continue to be faithful and do what you do with the little, you'll learn to be faithful with a lot. If you are irresponsible with a little, you'll be the same way when you get older. So what about this story? Let's just quickly go back through Luke 16. The unrighteous manager, verses 1 and 2, he squandered the money of the owner and was fired. Notice he uses a word here. The Lord uses the same word that he used in another story we just read. He squandered the rich man's possessions. This word was used in verse 13 of Matthew 15. What did the son do? As soon as he got his inheritance and he went his own way and he was living his own life, he squandered, this is Luke 15, 13, he squandered his estate. That is, he wasted it and got rid of it all. We read a few chapters back as we heard the story about covetousness. A rich farmer had a great year, had a bumper crop year. And what did he say? I'm rich. I got to build another barn. No thought for anybody else. No thought for anything else to do. I'm going to build a barn. You see, this is the way of the world. I have more, so I'm happy to have it. Give me more. I'm going to gain more. The unrighteous manager dishonestly made deals with the owner's creditors to reduce their debt. We read that. What did he say? He goes, I'm not, uh, I'm not able to beg, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my power. Does this sound familiar? I'm going to use my position, my power and authority, and the money of my master, my rich owner, to cut a deal. 
I'm going to cut deals. So that when I cut a deal and I'm fired, verse 4, they'll welcome me into their homes. I'm going to use money in order to win friends and influence people. He also leads the debtors into dishonesty. Because they take their bill that they owe and he says, now change it. And they did it. They participated in dishonesty. You know why? They were going to get a better deal. Why well, don't have to owe this? I'm going to cut my debt. What a deal. He dishonestly uses the debt agreement to gain favor with others. You see, it's the old Latin phrase, money finds friends. Money finds friends. It's true in family. Money finds friends. It's true in business. Money finds friends. It can be true at church when it ought not to be. Money finds friends. Money finds friends. The manager was wasteful. He was unfaithful. He was deceitful in how he used the resources of another for himself. And I'm asking you today, is that true in your life? You see, wealth adds many friends, the book of Proverbs says. So when we think about this today, we consider our own wealth. Consider this unrighteous manager revealing to us the selfish, dishonest use of money. Paul said it several ways uh, in 1 Timothy 6. You've brought nothing into the world. You're not going to take anything out either. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snare and many foolish and harm, harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the richest man who ever lived, Solomon, and you can Google it. You can go ahead and say on today's calculation of what money's worth, how much was Solomon worth? The richest man who ever lived on the earth said, Ecclesiastes 5.10, are you listening? You want to know what the rich people say? Let's listen to the richest man who's ever lived. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. He who loves money will not be satisfied. You don't have to be rich to love money. You can be very poor and love money. He who has money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This is vanity. So number two, believers must faithfully give their wealth for eternal purposes. Now we go to verse number verse number. Uh, Nine, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of your money when it fails with those in heaven. Is this buying your way into heaven? No, remember, he's speaking to disciples, those who already follow Jesus. You're not buying your way into heaven. You're simply gaining an eternal heavenly view on your money. What's the best use of our money? It's Placing it in eternal purposes. You see, giving to the work of the gospel makes friends in heaven. Because as we share, as we give to the church, as we give to the church and it gives to missions and we go around the world, as we give it to other gospel causes uh, and we share, we think about our Gideons. They all sacrifice in our church, and they give of their own money to the Gideons in order to distribute Bibles. I don't know of a better thing that could be done than that. You give to the church, you give to missions, you give to these causes, and it makes friends in heaven. There are going to be some Gideons that are going to be met by people in heaven who say, Thank you for giving us that Bible. 
You see, we give money for gospel purposes. I'm saying, I got people who worry about whether they're supposed to be tithers or grace givers. Everybody worrying about it. The question is, do you give whether you're a tither or a grace giver? What are you doing with your money? It is not your money. You're a disciple of the Lord Jesus. We read those strange words in Acts. They gave it all. They just laid it all. Here, take the, here, take the proceeds and put it all in the, the budget, the giving of the church, and use it for God's purposes. You see, the Lord goes on to say to us, my friends, in verse 10, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. The Lord said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does when you give. Giving is a secret thing. You don't give to, be glorif to glorify yourself before others, but God sees what you give. Oh, I was going to go do this. Oh, I was going to spend it on this, but I'm going to give it to the gospel. I'm going, to, I'm going to give it to the gospel. You see, this is what believers faithfully do. We do faith, we do it faithfully. Believers store up riches in heaven as they give to the Lord. I, I won't to spend the time because we're out of time almost, but in Luke 12, 33, when the Lord was finishing the story of the rich farmer who spent his money on himself, he said to believers, listen, this is, you can look it up if you want to, Luke 12, 33, sell your possessions and give to charity. You know the best way to kill your flesh? You know the best way to get rid of covetousness and making money your God? Get rid of it. Sell it. Give it away. Give it away for gospel purposes. And make for yourselves money belts which do not wear out. Put, put, put your money in heaven. An unfading treasure in heaven. That's where you put it. I give to the Lord on the earth and what happens? There's an unfading treasure in heaven where there is no thief or any bugs to destroy it. Believers are rewarded in heaven as they faithfully serve. You'll be welcomed in. You'll be welcomed. You'll be thanked. The Lord will say as others, well done. Thank you for what you've given to the Lord. Believers, we manage the goods and property and money God gives us. This is, this is a really hard thing for us because we're the ones who go and earn the money. We call it my money. It's God's money that he's given to you to manage. Believers are faithful in this management of it or we're not. And the Lord reminds us and warns us here. I'll just read it to you. If you have not been faithful in your money, who will trust you with real riches? There's no reward. It's not about salvation. It's about honor and reward. If you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, how will you give how will you be given your own? You see, there are unfaithful uses of your money. Number one, if God blesses you and you don't even give to the, to the church, to the causes of God, to the gospel, that's disobedience. That, that's, not a matter of, uh, that's not a matter of choice. It is that we give. We give because it is our responsibility to give. If you've not been faithful, what do you do with all that God has given to you. Wasteful spending, excessive spending, how much is enough? How much is enough? You, sub, you see, I, I'm, I'm so moved by this. Recently talking to uh, someone in uh, our family who 
is doing well and coming along and they're advancing in their job and they've paid the price. They've gone to school and now they're comparing. You know, they've gone to school. They've started to work in their career and they're hearing all these other people talk about, well, boy, you can make this much. Boy, you can make this much. You can top out at this level. You can do this, that, and the other. And listening to this young one talk to me about, and, and this one, he's, he's bought two houses and he's got a boat and he's got this and this one's, this one's traveling all over and going here and not a word. And this is a believer. This is a Christian young man. Not a word about now that I have this kind of money. He's not married. He's on his own in his 20s. What am I going to do with all of this money to honor God and the gospel. It reminds me of the duty of this church and every teacher in this church and every preacher in this church. We have a task to remind the people, the believers in this church, when they're children all the way up about the importance of giving. That's why mother gave me that offering and I had 25 cents and in the day she gave it to me, it was a lot of money. And I had to take my 25 cents and give it on Sunday. You see, somehow we think that money just grows on trees. It just falls out of the heavens. That someone else will do it who's in a better condition to do it. That's unfaithfulness in giving. If you don't give to gospel causes today, you must ask yourself why. And at the end of the day, you'll simply have to say, because I love my money more than I love the gospel. You know, one of the most amazing things in my life in ministry in all these years, I have seen some of God's people who have the least, are you listening to me, who were the best givers of all. And I've seen some of God's people who had more than they'd ever be able to spend or their children spend or grandchildren who at the end of the day left their money and I've witnessed it while I'm sitting in the funeral home when the children start fighting over money. You see, how much is enough for you? And how will you look at your bank accounts? You've all got them. They show up on your phone. Why? Your phone rings every time you have a transaction go through. You can track it. You know where it's at. And the Lord says to us all, take your money and make friends in heaven. They'll welcome you and thank you for what you've done. Serving and spending your money for the gospel will be a blessing for all of life. So what do we remember? Well, Quickly, never forget, God is the maker and owner of everything. Look, the Word of God says the Lord is maker of heaven and earth. If He made it, He owns it. Whoever makes it, owns it. And you didn't make it, and I didn't make it. Your wealth is a blessing from God. I'll read you Proverbs 10, 23. Some of you that are young in here, this may not mean a thing to you now, but it will someday. And some of you who are now old and you were young... And God's blessed you financially. Listen to this. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. You see, we saw the grace of God shown to people uh, last week in the story of the prodigal. 
the, the, the father who had earned all that money graciously gave it to a son who wasted it all. That's the grace of God. And the grace of God has been shown generally and graciously to all people. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. He blesses their, their uh, produce and their animals and gives them money. The blessings of God are given on all, but how do people respond to the blessings of God? Instruct the rich to do good and to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. Some of us in this room should say, why am I not giving to the Lord? Why am I not even giving to the church? Faithful giving brings eternal friendships in heaven. And only those who have done such will experience the thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that's been changed. You give it and the missionaries take it. And they go and they share the gospel. And people we will never know in places we'll never go come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and they are changed. So some of us must ask today, am I like this unrighteous manager? Am I living, squandering away all that God's blessed me with? And I'm sure going to spend it on everything I have. Look at our closets, look at our houses, look at the amount of storage units we have, look at the amount of cars we have. How much is enough for us? And when will we let the Lord turn our hearts from this great idol? And say, Lord, all I have is yours. I will give it freely, knowing that you will take care of me and my own for your glory. The Lord Jesus warned us, and I remind us all in this church today, no servant can serve two masters. You will hate one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot you cannot serve God and wealth. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door, my friends. He is coming and we pray, come Lord Jesus. And as we now bow our heads for time of invitation, remember what the Lord did. We're, we're at the table of the Lord today. As we leave, we'll be taking the supper with the Lord here with us. Remember what Paul said, he became poor that we might be made rich. We experience the riches of God's glory today because of Jesus Christ, the riches of salvation. And all of us in this all of us in this room have a measure of God's blessings with our wealth and with what we have. Now the question is, Lord, how do we use this for your purposes?